Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Hey, man, let's, uh, let's give the choir just another hand. What, a, what an incredible uh, job this morning. And maybe my favorite hymn in all the world is Victory in Jesus, and I'm so grateful uh, that that is where we find our victory, and as we gaze upon the, the beauty of Christ, that uh, we uh, find everything else that uh, would pale in comparison uh, to Him. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm uh, just so grateful to see each of you here. If you are uh, a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. We'd love uh, to hear from you. You'll see some uh, some connect cards in the back of the pews around you, and we'd love to hear from you and just know of your time uh, with us. If, if you have a moment to fill one of those out, we'd love to send you uh, just a gift, just to connect uh, a bit along the way. Uh, it is a, a special morning here at Cowie, and I, I'm going to uh, invite uh, uh, my friend uh, Brian Harrison to come. And Brian and his family uh, have, have been uh, with us for uh, a while now, and he's been an incredible uh, just encourager to me. He's been uh, someone who's, who's just become a, a great friend as we've uh, just enjoyed time over coffee and time uh, together, just uh, reflecting on the Word and just a, a, a great blessing to me. And, and Brian uh, shared early with me uh, when he began to worship here at Cowie a bit of his story and uh, has, has, again, just been an incredible encouragement to me. And he's going to come and, and share uh, his story and some of his story today. And Brian, thank you so much. And we're just grateful for you uh, this morning. So. Thank you and good morning. You know, it's been said that confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. And um, I hate to tell you that can be true in too many cases. But if one is to find genuine healing and if one is to truly help others, sometimes confession among others is a necessary thing. And that brings me here this morning. Again, as Pastor Jason said, my name is Brian Harrison. And on February 18th of 2019, I confessed to having a struggle with pornography to a friend and a short time later to my wife, Jean. A major factor in all of this is I was a pastor and I had been for about 24 years. Now life as I knew it changed that day and not all for the bad. You see, I had been exposed to pornography when I was about four or five years old. I was sexually assaulted a couple times as a child, and then I was exposed to it again before my teen years. Growing up into adulthood, it had become a means of escape, of medicating pain, loneliness, stress, and whatever seemed to ail me at that time. Entering into seminary and becoming a pastor, I found myself doing much better until the stresses and struggles of pastoring my first church caught up with me. I was called to a new church in Pennsylvania, and I was doing pretty well again until I wasn't. It was around 2017 or so, and truly hating what had grabbed a hold of me, that I finally acknowledged to God and myself the simple truth that I was fighting a sin stronghold, or to put it another way, I was struggling with an addiction. I was scared, I was ashamed. And at one point, I was even praying that God, if he would not remove this sin from me, that he would just remove me and bring me home. I was confused. How could I love God so much, teach about him so passionately, and help so many people who struggle with their sin, 
and yet I could not break free from my own sin. How could that be? And uh, why wouldn't God cure me? Uh, you know, I, I struggled with God. Why wouldn't he cure me? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't he remove this sin from me? And I was acutely aware that I had a funny way of loving God. But he told me clearly in his word that if I truly loved him, I would obey him. Now, I know I could have done more. I, was, I could have done a lot more. But I was believing three lies that terrified me. The first lie, if I were to confess, if I were to seek help, I would lose everything. You see, pastors simply cannot have this problem. Second lie was if I were to tell Jean, if she were to find out, I would lose her. And thirdly, and the third lie, I was convinced that, if I, that I should be able to overcome this sin on my own. That I could do this. I'm a pastor. I have a seminary degree for heaven's sake. I can beat this. I was praying and I was agonizing. I was weighed down with guilt and shame. And God started ratcheting up the conviction. I had just come back from a biblical counseling conference in Indiana where I was again trying to find the means of helping myself when I got this crazy scam email threatening to expose my sin that February morning. I knew it was a scam. But you know, as much as I wanted to just forget it and walk away, God wasn't going to let me walk away. He wouldn't let go. And frankly, he doesn't let any of his children in sin keep going. I knew in my very convicted and my very frightened heart that I had to confess it, and I had to confess it that day. Now, I would love to tell you that the heavens opened up and I heard the angels sing following that day, but I'm not going to blow you any kisses and I'm not going to tell you any lies. It was hard. It was painful, and frankly, it still is. But following my confession, I had a choice to make. And my choice was, am I going to pursue God or am I going to run away and hide? Now, I chose God, and forgive me for putting this way, I chose him and ran after him with a vengeance. What was in the dark had been brought out into the light, and I was committed to not going back. And it is in large part because of this commitment and my heart's desire to help others that I am sharing this with you today. There is an essential truth that I have learned over the years, personally experienced, and that I have observed that no matter your sin, no matter your struggle, no matter how much you wish, think, hope, tap your toes, wiggle your nose, or, or whatever, no matter how hard you try to hide, ignore it, minimize it, make excuses for it, or lie about it, God will not let his children get away with sin that is ongoing and habitual. Our Heavenly Father loves you and me simply too much to allow that to happen. Too much to simply wink and nod about our sin. In fact, consider just a couple of verses. In Ecclesiastes 12, 14, a man who came to understand what his sin was costing him, Solomon wrote, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Jesus put it this way in Luke 8, 17, For nothing that is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. As scripture clearly states, our sin will find us out. And you may well find yourself in a dark, confusing place right now. And to hear that might be quite terrifying. But I'm here to tell you, there is victory in Jesus. There is hope. There is healing. And yes, there is grace and mercy. God wants you to be healed. 
even more than you might want to be healed, and he is waiting for you. 1 John 1, 9 says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And while there's much I could unpack there, let me share some of my example based on the lies I believed. First lie was following my confession, I did lose a lot, but I gained even more. For numerous reasons, I needed to resign my church, and I have truly struggled with the consequences of my sin. And please believe me, it was my sin. It was my responsibility, and I have chosen to own and deal with it. And while I still have struggles and difficult days, there has not been one occasion where God has not provided for us for healing, for provision, and more. You know, I lost some friends, but I gained others. And embracing 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, God has given me a passion to help, others and find free, uh, to help others find freedom and hope from this sin. The second lie was when I confessed to my, uh, my sin to Jean, I expected the worst. But what I saw was my wife break down in tears with me and for me. You see, second only to Christ, she has been my greatest helper. She has been my supporter, my champion, and friend throughout this journey of healing. We've been married nearly 40 years, and there is no more wonderful example or a biblical example of a biblical wife than my Jean. The third lie, however, is perhaps the most insidious. It was that I could take care of this myself. I couldn't. And something I've become absolutely convinced of, not only from my own experience, but also looking back at that of others, is that you cannot overcome sin either. You can't overcome sin by yourself either. We only fool ourselves, isolate ourselves, even lie to ourselves when we believe that we have the power, will, and means to overcome sin on our own. You see, throughout Scripture, God gives us one another passages. He has given us multitudes of one another passages that speak to the essential nature of doing life, growing, knowing, and healing, all in the context of community. And that community is especially given to us by His grace in the context of what God calls the church. The church. You may not struggle with this sin, but all of us struggle with sin. And Christ's church is to be a place of healing and of hope. Now, to be sure, not all churches are truly places of healing. Let me just leave it at that. But I thank God for Calvary Baptist Church, and I thank God for the heart of Pastor Jason and for churches like this one. Upon my confession, I sought out a biblical counselor, someone who wouldn't tell me what I wanted to hear, but the truth I needed to hear to find true and lasting healing. God had me travel an hour and a half away near Philadelphia, but every session, my wife was there because I was tired of lying. I was tired of the dark. I also attended a terrific seminar for sexual struggles in Minnesota. And when I came back, I knew I needed to, uh, to be part of a small group where I could find tools and accountability to help me in my journey. It was in the church Gene and I were attending at the time in Pennsylvania that I was introduced to the wonderful biblical resources of Pure Desire Ministries. I was blessed to both participate in and then to help lead small groups to help heal sexual brokenness among other men. Now some of you might be wondering, why on earth would Brian be talking about this in our church? Why would he risk embarrassing himself? 
you might be thinking that we really don't have such a problem here in this church. But you would be wrong. Sadly, wrong. And Pastor Jason and I have talked and prayed about this. Ministries such as Pure Desire Ministries, uh, through extensive research, have concluded that around 51%, 51% of men identifying as evangelical believers and attending evangelical churches have recurring struggles with pornography. And you would be wrong to assume that this is only a problem with men. Women, especially young women, are among the fastest growing demographic. What's more and what's worse, the average age for exposure to pornography is now nine years of age or younger. And you may say, well, not my child, not my grandchild. Well, let me ask you, does your child or grandchild have or have a friend with a smartphone, a tablet, or a computer? You may have this problem. It's a deep secret. You may think, pretend uh, uh, to be healthy and that all things are all right, but I beg you, I plead with you, and I pray for you. You need to confront this within your own heart. The truth of this sin, and you truly need to, you must deal with this sin through and in the power of Jesus Christ. Do it before the consequences bear you, before your sin and your life spins you out of control. Think hard. What are you willing to lose? What are you willing to give up to continue to hide, to avoid the shame or embarrassment? Are you willing to lose your home, your mate, your children, your job, your career, your freedom? You see, one of the men who was in my small group that I left in Pennsylvania is now in jail because he didn't deal with it. Early on in many days, I asked myself, was confessing this sin worth it? Was coming out in the light the smart thing to do? Well, very frankly, many of the consequences I faced have been hard. They have been really hard. But I also know it could have been far, far worse. And I am here to tell you, there is victory in Jesus, and it has been worth it. God has shown his grace and mercy and love in ways I have never experienced before and could never have described to you. God is waiting for you. He loves you, and he will help you, and he will provide you just as he has provided for Gene and me. And all those consequences, he will walk through each and every one of them with you. Early on in this journey, I embraced a passage. My wife shared it with me, and I have walked and prayed this passage through. But I want to read to you two verses from 1 Peter 5, 10, and 11. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me back up and say this again. God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, God gets involved. God is a part of our healing. And so what now? Pastor Jason and I have been praying and working to provide genuinely biblical and practical help for those struggling with sexual sin. Please hear me. 
The world is all too willing to talk about sex and for far too long has been the loudest voice in the room regarding it. What attracted me to your church was seeing and hearing that Pastor Jason is committed to creating a culture of grace here, a safe place where it is okay to not be okay. A place of help and of healing. So on April 10th, Monday after Easter, beginning at 6.30 p.m., we will be offering Pure Desire Sexual Integrity 101 course. This is an eight-week course meeting uh, for up to two hours each evening where we will watch experts in the field dive into sexual brokenness and what we can do about it. We will then discuss among ourselves what we are learning and examine its impact on our lives. So who is this for? Well, of course, it is an on-ramp for those who are themselves struggling. But it is also for those who have a spouse or a loved one or a friend who was caught up in sexual sin. It is for those who want to help but don't really know how or where to start. It is for men, women, couples, and singles. And while we hope to offer such training for our teens right now, this is for those 18 or older. Now, I will be leading this group, and it will be a safe place. We will be hosting this at the church on Monday evenings, and more information is going to be provided on the church website on the events page. But because there is a workbook involved, we ask that you please sign up online or call into the church. We want to ensure that we have adequate resources. And by the way, we're not going to trumpet your name around the church, okay? And to the church at large, I have a favor to ask of you. Would you please pray for this ministry? Please, please pray. All around you are people affected by sexual brokenness. We need your prayers and we need your help. Pastor Jason and I are also praying for women who sense a calling by Christ to lead women who themselves are struggling with sexual sin or have spouses that are. As for me, thank you for hearing me out this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Gene, and so grateful for your transparency and your willing to, to share your story, for the courage that it takes to do that, and for the healing and just gratefulness that I have heard every time that I've talked to Brian, for the grace of God that he's experienced, for the way that Gene has, has walked uh, with him in this, and you know, as, as Brian shared, we want to be a, a place where hope and healing can be found. It's time, and, and in my opinion, been a long time that the church take back the conversation when it comes to sexual integrity, when it comes to what God has called us to in our life, when it comes to engaging with our young people, when it comes to dealing with sin in our own lives. And we come this morning with with grateful hearts, um, and, and I want to I encourage you with, with just a few things that connect to Brian's story and, uh, and some things from the Scripture that I believe when we encounter this type of temptation that the Scripture would point us to, and you'll see those things on the screen. You'll find those in, in the app. 
Uh, but I, I want to give you those three things this morning, and I want to challenge us as we uh, leave here today. And, and the very first thing, I want to challenge you this. When you encounter this temptation, be ready for flight. Be ready for flight. When we read the scriptures, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, we read these words, flee immorality. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And so what I want to encourage you is when you encounter this sin, you need to run. You need to understand that this is not a place that you uh, stand and say, you know what, I'm big enough in my own strength to navigate this. You get out of there, or maybe better yet, you get it out of there. One pastor says it this way, why resist a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? Some of us are, are, are in these places where we understand that the best way to run is to remove the temptation. It could be different things for different people. It could be a a smartphone that you carry in your pocket. It could be a situation where you say, you know what, I don't need to have one of those. I need to have an old school flip phone or, or I need to do something on my devices that would protect me and that would protect the things that matter most. It could be accountability software. It could be some of those places. And we've created a website. It's cowie.church forward slash Flee, F-L-E-E, and on there you'll find all kinds of resources. And some of you are saying, well, you know what, I, I don't need this help. You know, Brian shared some, some alarming statistics that, that if you were to look at 50% of the men that will be in our church today, and I've found statistics that are higher than this. I think Brian is very conservative when he says 51%. I've seen statistics that appear to be even higher. That there would be that number of men that would walk into church and worship regularly that would be struggling with this specific sin in their life. We would see that women are also struggling in this. This is not something, and by the way, it is not something just that young people struggle with. This is, this is something that grandparents and and those, this is something that is affecting uh, everyone. And we live in a culture that is saturated with that. And, and the, the, the scripture would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And we need to be a people that don't come into this with any arrogance or any pride or any dynamic with that. The scripture tells us that David was a man that was after God's own heart. And we read in the scriptures that he committed adultery and murder. We understand that this is not above any of us, and, and I want you to understand that, that all my devices, they are protected. They have accountability software on them. They have, my, my wife receives an email every single day uh, that, that would allow her to see everything that I look at. They would allow her to see those things because we recognize uh, the value of this gift that God has given us. And I want to remind you, you are not strong enough on your own. And, and I want you to know who the enemy is. The Bible says that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. In First Peter, the Bible would tell us that, the, that your adversary, the devil, that he roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And as Brian pointed to, it is those who are isolated. It is those who are alone. But I want you to know that 
while you have an enemy that wants to destroy, you have a God who loves you. And he's made a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that there's no temptation that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. That's what I've heard every time I've talked to Brian. God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. I want to encourage you, when you encounter this temptation, be ready for flight. The second thing I want to challenge you with this morning is if you have fallen to this temptation, prepare to fight. If you have fallen to this temptation, prepare to fight. You fight for your family, you fight for your intimacy with God, for your purity, And I want to encourage you that we must be a place as the body of Christ. We must be families and we must be a family of families that are willing to fight for one another. We prepare to fight. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your sin one to another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We find healing when we stop concealing. See, there is, there's a place that God calls us to be as the body of Christ. That is a safe place for help, a safe place for healing. So if you encounter this temptation, you be ready for flight, right? You get out of there. If you have fallen to this temptation, prepare to fight. God is providing a way of escape. It may be through the class that Brian will offer. It may be uh, through different uh, people that will come around you. But here's the thing I want you to see. The strength for the fight. And I, wanna, I want you to see this in two ways. But the strength for the fight is found in the light. The strength for the fight is found in the light. John uh, chapter 1 verse 5 said that this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all John chapter 8 verse 12 Jesus says I am the light of the world and he who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and we find our strength we find our strength in Christ we find our strength in the light number one beyond all things right we find our strength in him and we gaze upon the beauty of Christ and we find our satisfaction and our joy in him we gaze and we find our strength in the light but we also find our strength in the light we find our strength in the light one of my favorite and maybe my favorite for sure part of Brian's story and the part that has blessed my heart more than any piece of it is that of Gene and and in every story and by the way in every story of the Bible the hero is Jesus But then there are some supporting characters that we get to see in our lives. That, and when I see Gene, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Because the strength for the fight is found in the light. And the way that she has walked alongside Brian and the way that they have encountered this together has blessed my heart. And, and so I want to encourage you that the strength for the fight is found in the light of Jesus Christ. And it is found in light when we are no longer walking in darkness and concealing and 
And I want to encourage you, if someone confesses, and, and, and I want to encourage you, if you are struggling in the midst of sin, not to keep it in the dark, right? That there are trusted people that you can bring alongside you, trusted people that can walk in accountable uh, relationships with you. I want to encourage you to confess to God. Brian said in 1 John 1, 9, he said, if we confess our sin, quoted this verse earlier, he said, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's grace when we, when we can come to, to God with our sin, confess to God and confess to someone you trust. And you'll find on the website that we've created, you'll find some some tips and some encouragement and some things about how you can confess and about some things that could, could help you in that way. I want you to understand that uh, my door is open and, and you'll find a place of grace and healing. We, we like to say that we love people just the way they are, but we love them too much to leave them in that place. And I'm so thankful that that's what we experience in Christ, that, that, that his love and his mercy is great for us. So you can find those things. You can find uh, information about uh, how to protect your home. You can find information uh, about how to protect your internet and your devices and your children's devices and your grandchildren's devices. And we would love to come alongside in that. You'll find accountability software that we run on our phones that, that we have. Uh, we've also had a, a, a generous donor that a few uh, seasons back heard me talk about this accountability software. And they said, hey, if there's any students that would like this, I will pay for them to be able to have this on their device. And so we have lots of young people. We have lots of people in our student ministry that run this uh, accountability software on this device. And I want to challenge parents, grandparents, model this thing. Model what it looks like to be accountable. Model what it looks like to, to be transparent. Model what it looks like to be protected because we are not. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And if you're a spouse and you hear Something like this, I want to I encourage you as we look at Jean and see her example that there is someone that is dealing with brokenness and is in need of help and healing. They're weary and it's going to be natural to feel emotion and be angry and all those things. But when someone confesses, I want you to be thankful for the light because it is in the light that healing takes place. And so I want to encourage you to take those steps. And I want to, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to hold up this, this nice, beautiful white piece of paper. And if you didn't get one, I want you to hold up this nice hand. And I'm going to ask our ushers to come and give every single person uh, one of these that doesn't have it. So if you don't have a white piece of paper in hand, uh, just lift your hand. Uh, they're, gonna, they're coming through right now, and I'll hand those out. Uh, you can do that. Uh, and I want you to, uh, to, to just embrace this moment of disruption in the service because I want to close with the story of maybe the most disrupted moment uh, in the temple that could be. I want to close with, a, with a, a time where Jesus was teaching and, and the greatest disruption that I could ever imagine took place. And so as you, uh, as you take those papers, as you hold those, I want you to take your finger. And we're going to see in this story, we're going to see Jesus begin to write some things in the sand. And I wonder in this story what he was writing. I like to think, and we're going to share a few verses in a moment, but I like to think that Jesus uh, may have been writing the sins of those that were around him. I, I wonder if those that... Uh, that had in, in, in interrupted this service, if Jesus is writing some things that no one else should 
No, and I want you to take your finger in this moment, not a pen, just your finger, and I want you to write some things on this paper that you are struggling with. I want you to write a, a sin maybe that comes to your mind. Maybe there's a stronghold. Maybe there's a, a sin. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's something else. But I want you to take just a moment and just be honest with the Lord and yourself. And I want you to write. And I, I, I gave you a big piece of paper because I knew I would need one to write a few down. And I want you to write those on there. And then I want you to do something. I want you to take that paper. And I want you to crumple it up. And I want you to place it in your hand. And I want you to grip it. And while I share this story, I want you to hold it tightly in your hand. And in John chapter 8, Beginning in verse 1, we read this story. The scripture would tell us that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees, they show up. And in the midst of this moment, this incredible interruption takes place. I want you to... Imagine it just for a moment. The Bible says that the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And so they dragged this woman in. And our sin's on a little piece of paper and it's crumpled up in our hand and we can't see it. And even if we were to hold it up, nobody could see it. But I want you to know everybody could see hers that day in the, the shame. She would have been a feeling in those moments, the, the overwhelming weight of her sin. Most scholars would say that it's likely that she may have been brought in naked in front of them. Maybe there was some type of covering, but it was, she was caught in the very act of adultery. The scripture would, would give us that kind of picture. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. They were trying to get Jesus in the midst of this moment. But he stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be first to throw a stone at her, And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And I wonder if it was in that moment that things that were secret to them were being revealed. And those men that had drug her in, all of a sudden they were seeing their sin. And, and by the way, it's interesting, they didn't bring this man before them. And sometimes we can, uh, we can look at a, a woman who's promiscuous and in those kind of things. And we can treat that different than a man. We can do those things. But in this culture, here she was in front of them. The man is not there. And it said when they heard it, he wrote on the, sand, the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And with the woman, where she was, and the woman, and he was left alone, and the woman, where she was, in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, 
Can you imagine this moment? Here's this woman that has been brought before Jesus. Jesus has said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, beginning with the oldest, they begin to, to leave. They begin to be out of there and left with Jesus. In the very center of this moment is this woman. And Jesus looks at her and he says, woman, where are your accusers? She looks around. And can you imagine that moment, right? There's, there's no one there. In the, in, woman, did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And I want you to soak in the last verse. I want you to just rejoice in it. But I want you to reflect on it. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Either. Now go and sin no more. She encountered the Savior of the world. And here's the thing she encountered Jesus, and there was only one person in that moment that, and here she is face to face with Jesus, and there's only one person that she could look to for help. There's only one person that we can look to for help. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And she was in a moment with Jesus. And the only thing that stood between her and death was Jesus. And I want to remind you that the only thing that stands between us and death is Jesus Christ, the only thing that stands between me and death is Jesus. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He had every right to condemn this woman. He was the only one. He, he was there among her. And the scripture says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And everyone empties out. But Jesus, he is the only one. He had the right to condemn this woman, but he didn't. The Bible would tell us in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. He took the very wrath of God that I deserved for my sin. He died on that cross. And when you fear what it looks like to be honest with God and write these things down, I want you to understand when you come to Jesus, this is the face that you see. You see grace and mercy. You see this beautiful picture of love and justice. In that last verse, you see repentance. Jesus looks at her and he says, Neither do I condemn you either. He says, Go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more.
and with rocks in hand, we gather this morning. And maybe like those that were gathered there, there's a recognition for all of us that there are none of us without sin. And we hold those rocks and we are reminded of the only way that we have experienced grace and forgiveness. That Jesus took all of my sin and all of my shame. And it was nailed to a cross. He who knew no sin, the scripture says, became sin on my behalf. Took all of those things upon himself on the cross. So that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So that my sins, though they be as scarlet, that they might be as white as snow. So that in light of his grace, when I hear someone's story like Brian's, I remember the grace that's been extended to me. And there are no stones, but there are open arms of love. See, we are to... Love God and hate our sin. Sometimes we hear it spun a lot of different ways that we're to love God and hate sin and we're to love people and hate, uh, and hate their sin and hate all those kind of, kind of things. We've heard that said a lot of different ways. What I find in the scripture, we love God, we love people and we hate our sin. Those things that maybe we hold in our hand right now that represent something deep in our life. And we recognize that the only way to find forgiveness, the only way and the only one who stands between us and death is Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you this morning to consider a couple of things. I'm going I'm to ask Janet to come and we're going to sing together. Um, and I want to ask you just a couple of things this morning. Maybe, maybe you're holding on to this. Uh, this rock or this little piece of paper that we've noted some things on. And this morning you know that in the power of the Spirit of God that you are here and that God is speaking to you. And none of us know what's on this little piece of paper, but I can assure you that every one of us have things that are on this piece of paper. If we were honest between us and, and the Lord. And it may be that this morning we, as we sing and as we worship, that we want to come and kneel in an altar and we want to just leave this little piece of paper, this little thing, but, but it represents something so much bigger. See, Jesus told this woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone, there are none. He says, I don't condemn you either, but you go and leave your life of sin. And symbolically this morning, it may be that you lay this little crumpled up piece of paper on an altar and you ask God for his strength. And the strength to fight is found in the light. It's found in Christ. And you begin to walk in integrity. You begin to walk and you begin to fight and you begin to live. And you begin to say, God, I, whatever it takes. Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, he said, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. He said, whatever it takes. And your first step begins this morning. And you begin to walk in that. And we want to be here to walk with you. And if you've never trusted Jesus, you come repentant. Turning from your sin and turning to Christ. 
and he'll save you. He'll forgive you. And he'll help you. And he'll strengthen you every day of your life. Father, we thank you for this moment. And God, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. God, that in these moments you would give uh, people courage. God, we pray that you would help every one of us because this building is not the church. We are the church, God, to make this and to continue to make this a place of your grace and your mercy. And God, we pray that this morning, God, we might lay down some things in our lives. God, that we might recognize, uh, God, the, 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 the temptations that we are facing. That we might flee from those, that we, might, that we might run, but that we might fight and that we might find strength in you. God, we love you. If there's someone here that doesn't know you this morning, that's never repented of their sin and placed their faith in you, just believing in what you've done on the cross, that when, when you died on that cross, that it counted for you and that you took all of our sin and all of our shame. And God, this morning, it may be someone in this room that says, I trust you, Lord. I believe. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. And God, we know that you promised you would save them and you would forgive them and you would help them. So Lord, we pray and ask for your strength this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.